Well, good morning, church. That was kind of quiet. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for those of you who are not here regularly, I'm not Chad Hunsberger. I'm Kylie. And uh, we want to continue to to be praying for Chad and for Gloria as they travel. For those of you maybe who weren't here last week, you didn't hear, they are traveling internationally in pursuit of an adoption that has been going on for quite some time. We want to continue to pray for travel, for safety, for all the logistics of that. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago when they found out about this trip, uh, Chad came and saw me and he said, uh, he said, hey, we're going to be traveling. Would you like to preach on the 28th? And I was like, yeah. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. And I said, what do you want me to preach on? Do you have something somewhere you want me to go? And he said, well, he said, we've just finished something, so, you know, do whatever you want. I'm like, ooh, that's dangerous. <laughs> You're going to leave the country and say, preach what you want. But that's what he did. And he said, well, he said, we've just taken two years. We've taken two years to go through the Old Testament. We've gone through the New Testament. He said, we have covered everything in the Bible, so do what you want. Well, that was problem number two. We haven't covered everything. But I'm going to spare you guys a message on the glossary and the maps today. <laughs> and because of the time of year it is, we are going to talk about what it means to be thankful. As we come off of this week where we have celebrated Thanksgiving, uh, we're going to spend some time today in Luke chapter 17. If you want to open your copy of God's Word and, and be finding that, Luke chapter 17. And, uh, and so right now we'll do something that will make some of you a little uncomfortable I want to ask you, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? When you hear that, what do you think about when I say Thanksgiving? I, just say them out loud. When I say Thanksgiving, what, th what comes to mind? Turkey. What else? Family. Thankfulness. I missed that one. What was that? Gratefulness for God's blessing. It means all these things, but Thanksgiving truly means a little something different in the life of the believer. And we want to look at that this morning. So if you're in Luke chapter 17, let's pick up in verse 11 with the story that, of Jesus. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lift up, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. As I started looking for passages that showed me what it means to be thankful, this is one of the ones that came up. And what we see here is we see this awesome miracle that Jesus accomplished in the life of these 10 men. And we see this example of thanksgiving at the end. But we also see that thanksgiving doesn't start exactly where we think it starts. So today we want to look at what it takes to bring about thanksgiving in the life of the believer. And I would say first... Thanksgiving begins with a sense of good. Thanksgiving begins with a sense of good. Now, where does our sense of good in this world come from? It comes from God. 
A lot of people would refer to this as God's general revelation. We see it in creation. We see it beginning in Genesis when God created all the things. He created day and night. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the animals and the the fish swarming in the seas and the birds flying overhead. And what did he say about these things after he created them? He said, it's good. And he could say that because he himself, God himself, is good in his character. And we have to start at that place. That's where the gospel begins, is with a good, holy, righteous God. And we're able to see this about him. As a matter of fact, in Romans 1, it tells us, for the, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been visible to us. A few weeks ago, some of us were in East Africa and after serving there with Four Corners Ministries that week, we were able to take a final afternoon and go to one of the preservations there in Africa and go on a game drive that afternoon. One of the most amazing things you'll ever do. And you're able to just kind of ride along in the truck and you're able to see for miles and miles and miles, you can see three or four different types of weather. Just as you look, you can see so far. And you're seeing these beautiful grassy plains and God's creation, the elephants, the giraffes, all of those things. And you have to wonder, you have to see that and say, only God could create what I see right here, these good things. And what we realize is we can see the goodness of God in his creation, but without someone coming and telling us about who the creator is, we see the good, but we don't know the who that is the good. And there's where the gospel comes into play. Now, these 10 lepers had to have had some foundation to seek Jesus, right? They didn't just stop every random traveler on the road and ask to be healed, right? But obviously, they knew who Jesus was. His reputation preceded him as he traveled through this area. So our sense of good comes from God because he is good. We see that in his creation, but our sense of good also comes from our own creation. We know through scripture that we are different than the other things that God created. God says he created us in his image, right? Genesis 1, he created us in his image. Not only did he include us in his creation, God made us a part of his creation and is now sharing the work that he has put forward with us. What did he tell us? What was that first commandment? Be fruitful and multiply. God told us, I'm going to accomplish this work. I want to see my image, my glory go throughout the entire world, and I'm going to allow you to be a part of it. He tells us to be fruitful and multiply for the purpose of spreading his image throughout this world for his glory. So thanksgiving begins with a sense of good. But as we follow along this story, what we see also, thanksgiving highlights a need, right? These lepers definitely had a need. They had a physical need. They were unclean. You know, this is, this is one of my favorite things. I love it when the Bible does this. Have you ever seen something happen in modern day and then you realize in Scripture God had figured it out thousands of years ago, Right? We think, we're, we think we've got everything figured out. Look at this right here, what it tells us about the lepers. Here's what we see through them being unclean. We see social distancing before it was cool, right? <laughs> we tell people, you've got to be six feet away. Get away from me in the Kroger line, six feet back. No, they've figured it out at 600 feet, right? 
Go live outside the village. How did they know that this was what they were supposed to do? Well, we know because in the New Testament, the Old Testament was the scripture, right? In New Testament world, do we all know that? In New Testament world, when Jesus was walking around, Old Testament was scripture, right? Well, we look in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, and scripture tells us anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, masks again, before it was cool. Cover the lower part of your face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. These 10 guys that were suffering from leprosy had a definite physical need. They were unclean physically. And because of that, ostracized by society. Now, we don't have a big problem with leprosy in today's times. We've Medicine has been gracious enough to figure those things out for us, and it's still around, but it's not as big an issue as it was in those times. But we still suffer from a lot of things. And one of the things that we have seen, especially in these last few years, is we not only suffer physically, we suffer mentally and emotionally. And these last couple of years have shown that to us in ways that we could have never imagined. Depression is at an all-time high. Even within the church, we are beginning to see the effects of the mental strain, of the emotional strain that all of these things that have been going on are having on marriages, addiction, adultery, emotional, emotional and mental issues that only the Lord can provide for. These needs have been highlighted for us in the last several months because of COVID, because of the things that you and your family have had to endure. But as we look at our physical needs, as we look at our emotional needs, it just shows us that we have a, such a greater need than that. We all have a spiritual need. And Thanksgiving starts by highlighting that need. So before we can ever give thanks to the Father, we have to realize that all of us have a spiritual need. We are all, in effect, spiritually unclean and in need of a savior for healing. And our sin is what created that need. It began with Adam in the garden. It continues with us as we continue to sin, as we continue to follow our own passions, our own desires each and every day. So Thanksgiving begins with a sense of good. Thanksgiving highlights a need Thanksgiving Sorry, really I'm having trouble with the connection. Please try provision. again in a moment. That's our third point today. God provides for the physical. It's right here in the scripture. Look in verse 14 where it talks about the healing. Jesus healed them when he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, why would he say that? Why would he heal in that fashion? Well, I'll tell you. Just like we said, at that time, the Old Testament was scripture, right? We just finished last week, week before last, we just finished Access, where we read through all of Scripture. Many of you got a chance to do that. You got to stand right here and read through all of Scripture throughout that week. And as, as we were coming up with the schedule for that and everything, we were really excited about it, really planning that. And we said, you know what we need to do as a staff? I'm going to wait. I'm not going to sign up. Let's don't take all the spots right now. Let's leave spots for our people to come and sign up and read scripture here as a part of access. So I waited. Well, by the time I got around to signing up, there was one hour on Friday night left, almost at the very end. 
And that morning, at 6 o'clock that morning, there was a post on social media that showed Miss Baycrest in here kicking it off. She was reading scripture at 6 a.m. And then you saw person after person for a few hours. They got to come in here and read scripture. And I'm sitting there going, oh, five days. And then I get to go do that. Well, we as a staff were the hosts for that. We helped everybody come in at their time and find where they were supposed to read. And I got a call just before lunch on Monday. I think it was Emily who was hosting. And she said, hey, our person who's supposed to be here is not going to be here. Uh, they called, said they can't make it. Would you come in and read? I was like, yes, I'll come in and read. I'm ready. Got here early. And I walked in, and she said, okay, you start right there. I'm like, great. Let's get going. Leviticus 13.1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin, that may be a defiling skin disease. They must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines that person, he shall pronounce them ceremonial unclean. Y'all, there is about 30 minutes worth of hairs and sores and <laughs> things like that in Leviticus. And lots of other things that I was in here reading alone. I'm thankful for that. We won't read it all this morning. But what we see is all of Scripture is profitable, right? All of Scripture. Why did Jesus say, go and show yourself to the priest? Because Scripture had commanded it right here in the Old Testament. He was recalling a time in 2 Kings chapter 5 when Naaman, a Syrian commander, had been told, go and see the prophet Elisha. And he told him to do what? Go and wash in the river and be cleansed and then go show yourself to the priest. Jesus was showing consistency with God's word because only the priest could declare lepers clean. Jesus was displaying obedience to God's word by sending these men to the priest. And what we realize in our own spiritual life, only the great high priest Jesus can declare us clean from our sin. Sometimes when you're getting ready to preach, you know, you run across quotes and things from some really insightful guys. And I always love it when I, when I read things written by Thabiti Anyobuwile but it makes you a little anxious because you have to stand up here and say, Thabiti Anyobuwile. <laughs> but he said about this very thing in the healing of the lepers, he said, with a word from the distance, the Lord answered their prayers for mercy. He heard their humble cries, he healed them. And then listen to this, he said, a prayer for mercy is the prayer Jesus always answers in the gospels. A prayer for mercy is the prayer Jesus always always answers in the Gospels. God may choose to restore us supernaturally, just like he did with these lepers. He told them, go and show yourself to the priest. And what does it say happened? When they turned and went and showed themselves to the priest, they were clean, right? Healed miraculously, supernaturally. And God may choose to do that in your life, but he might choose a different path. Back in March, uh, I got a call that I was not expecting, a call that lots of you in this room have probably gotten before. I was expecting to get a call from a nurse, and 
answered the phone and it was a doctor. And sometimes you're just not expecting to hear or you don't get to hear what you want to hear. And, you know, we always talk about wanting to hear that one special person say those three special words to us, right? I love you. Those words that will knock us over. But I'll tell you, there's three other words that will just absolutely kick the wind out of you. You have cancer. And I got that call in March. And it does. It knocks the wind out of you for a few minutes. And so as Tammy and I tried to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What is this going to look like? Uh, we decided not to tell friends and family until we knew what we were going to do or what the plan was. So we went about a week trying to just kind of wrestle with that and then had the meetings we needed to have and had a game plan. And at that point, that's when I came and I told my friends here on the staff, and we told family, and we told a lot of you, and we said, please start praying. Please begin to pray, and pray that God would supernaturally, miraculously just remove this. Pray that he would heal me in the way that we see God healing the lepers here. Well, guess what? He didn't do that. God had a better plan in his sovereignty. He chose to heal me, which he did, but he chose to heal me through the capabilities he had given to some very gifted men and women, to some doctors, to some nurses, through surgery. God healed me. He has healed me, and I'm thankful for that. But he didn't do it in his gracious plan the way that I wanted to see it happen. And what that tells us is that God's plan is greater, right? God's grace is greater. It's not dependent on who we are or what we are or what we have done. And I got another example of that just a few weeks ago. Just a few weeks ago, we had funeral services here for Sue Welch. Wonderful, wonderful, feisty, godly woman that I got the pleasure of meeting about 30 years ago. Love, Miss Sue. In God's providence, several years ago, God made a way for a disease to come in and begin to just attack her body. And she lived with that for several years. And many of us, many, many times prayed, God, heal her supernaturally or provide for her through medicine, through the things that need to happen, provide healing for her. And we prayed for those things. And you know what? God did not act in that manner. But I'll tell you what he did. He provided supernaturally because of her faith in Christ Jesus. He healed her for all eternity just a few weeks ago. And we can sit here this morning knowing that she is in so much better shape than any of us at the Lord's side, worshiping him. And so it was just a picture of God's grace, right? And we wonder why do things like that happen? Well, I can tell you for me why those things happen that way sometimes. Because if God had not allowed Miss Sue's life to play out the way that it did, I would never have seen the grace that he affords when we can't help ourselves. I wouldn't have seen the wonderful way that a husband loves his wife the way Christ loves the church. 
And we wouldn't have seen a family honor a mother and father the way that Scripture tells us to. God has provision for us in all these things. He not only provides for the physical and those needs, but those emotional needs we talked about, he has provided for those. We just read in Revelation the last few weeks, Revelation chapter 7 promises us this. It says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will, here's the hope for us, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. If you're struggling today with addiction, with depression, uh, a marriage that is struggling, hold on to these words. Just two weeks ago, Revelation 21, or maybe last week, Revelation 21, he said it again. He said, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. These things that are weighing us down will pass away. And when our faith is secure in Christ Jesus, he promises that one day he will wipe away the tears. There won't be tears. There will not be mourning. There won't be crying. And there will not be pain. This promise is given to us. And that's the only way we can endure mental illness or these emotional issues. I ran across a story about a preacher, uh, Martin Rinkhart was his name. And Martin Rinkhart served as a pastor during the 30 Years' War. And his story says that sometimes he performed as many as 40 funerals a day during the course of that war, including the funeral for his wife and including a funeral for one of his children. And he endured that all, the, all that time. But he was able to write one of our hymns, Now Thank We All Our God, in the midst of that. And what we have to realize is that that is where thanksgiving comes from. It comes from the midst of the pain. It comes from the midst of the struggle. But it comes through the grace of our Lord and Savior. So God will provide for us physically in some form or fashion at the right moment according to his sovereign plan. He will provide for the emotional and the mental heartaches that we endure. And we know, even through this story, God will provide for our spiritual needs. How do we know that? We can see it in the story of the 10 lepers. We see it right at the beginning where it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. That tells us that right there. Those lepers were stuck in a spot outside the camp and the Lord pursued them. The Lord traveled in that path to encounter them through his gracious mercy. We know that in our own lives as we look at Scripture because one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up. He didn't wait for your cancer to go away. He didn't wait until you picked yourself back up and decided to be in a good mood and get rid of the clinical depression that you were experiencing. He pursued us when we didn't even know we had a need. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we look back at the story of the lepers, what we see is that God provided for them when they asked. 
And for nine of them, he provided physical healing right then, right? He healed them. It says they were clean. They had asked for physical healing, and they were given that. They were allowed to go back to normal life. But the tenth man got something just a little bit different. They returned to their normal life. But Scripture tells us this man inherited eternity. In that moment, the nine were declared clean, but the Samaritan was declared saved. In that moment with Jesus. So yes, thanksgiving is provided through provision, but then our next point, thanksgiving requires a life-changing recognition. God's grace is sufficient to provide for our needs. It is sufficient for salvation, but you must recognize it. Scripture teaches us that. These guys had a physical need, but they recognized that there was someone who could meet that physical need for them. When we look back at verse 13, they said, Jesus, Master, cried out, Master, from the lepers to be healed from their sickness. And if you're struggling today, maybe you're not struggling in the area of physical health. Maybe you are one of those struggling in emotional health. Let me just tell you, recognize that and offer it to him. Give it to him and ask him to provide for you in that way and trust that he will do it. Scripture promises to us in Romans 12, it tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is the promise that is given to us, that if we're not conformed to this world, if we are transformed by Christ Jesus, he will renew your mind. And I pray for you if that's where you are this morning. I pray that that happens right now where you are. I pray that it happens for you in the very near future. But the reality is he may heal that for you eternally. That may be a struggle. But what you find is that he will make you a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Just in the last couple of weeks, we heard at the end of Revelation about the fact when everything is made new, there's, God's going to remake and restore everything. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what's going to get to happen then? The new creations will get to rest in eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. Not necessarily rest as in sitting around, but rest in the provision that God has provided for us as we fellowship with him. The Samaritan leper had a, rep, a response that changed his eternity. His thankfulness displayed the object of his faith. Another commentary that I read connected faith and thankfulness like this. It said, faith must involve something more than the belief in the miracle working power of God. It also involves the recognition that his mercies are undeserved, which means that gratitude is an essential companion of faith. Faith involves thanksgiving. When our faith takes us to the place where we can see God for who he really is, we will have no choice but to be thankful and to worship him. Here's what I love most about this story about the 10 lepers. 
I love the fact that you can read these verses, and it happens all throughout the Bible. You can read these verses, and it is the picture of the gospel in this one short story. I remember several years ago when I first heard this, uh, I don't even remember from who or where, but the idea that as we learn to evangelize, as we learn to share the gospel with people, they teach you to do it. They say you can use four words, right? God, man, Jesus, response those being the four elements that are needed in the gospel. And I love the fact that you can see all four of these this morning. You can see them in this story of the lepers. We said first, Thanksgiving begins with a sense of good. Who is good? Where does goodness come from? That's the question. Thank you. God is good. And that is where we find rest in the midst of physical suffering, in the midst of emotional suffering, in the midst of spiritual emptiness, that's where we look. We look and realize that there is a sense of good in this creation, and it comes from the one who is good, the creator. It comes from God. We said then Thanksgiving highlights a need. Well, who has a need? Man. Romans 3 tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it goes on later in the book to tell us that apart from salvation, we will pay the penalty for our sin. Man has a spiritual need. You may be sitting here today and your knees are hurting, your back is hurting. Maybe you're going through a depressing time because you just spent a week with family and you've got physical needs and emotional and mental needs flying apart at every seam. But you need to realize you have a spiritual need that is so much greater than any of those things we will temporarily endure here on this earth. And that those are provided by God. Thanksgiving is made by provision. Who is that provision? God, man, Jesus. Jesus Christ who came and died for us to pay the penalty for that sin and then Thanksgiving finally requires a life-changing recognition. Just like these lepers recognized Jesus Christ and said, Master, have mercy on us, it changed their life when they recognized him. And when you recognize your need for a Savior, it will change your life as well for all of eternity. That's why I love this story. You can tell this story to anyone, and the gospel is clearly evident in it. So what happens once we've realized our need spiritually, once we've realized our need for a Savior, once we have said, Father, I need you. Jesus, come into my life, take over my life, and we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. What does that look like in the life of a believer? What did it look like for this Samaritan? We see our final point. It says, Thanksgiving results in worship. And we see that right here, verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, and it says, praising God with a loud voice. His thanksgiving resulted in worship for the one who could bring physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Warren Wearsby described what this man did like this. He said, instead of going to the priest, the Samaritan became a priest and he built his altar at the feet of Jesus. Thanksgiving results in worship. 
We just sang about how good he is, about how wonderful he is. We just celebrated for a week the things that we have to be thankful for. And we're going to do that again in just a moment. We're going to be thankful for the cross. We're going to be thankful for Jesus and the fact that he provides an opportunity for us for all of eternity. But I, I love the fact that we don't just have to sing about it. We can do it every morning when we wake up to pray. We can do it every morning when we wake up to read God's word. And this week, as I started looking for passages of scripture on thankfulness, I ran across Psalm 103. And I want us to read it together because as I read this, it, it showed me exactly what was going on in the life of these 10 men. It, it talks about how God provides for us in the physical. It talks about his provision in the emotional, and it talks about his provision in the spiritual. Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And here comes the emotional help from our Lord. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And then this is how he deals with our spiritual condition. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to this, for those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in his heavens and his kingdom rules over all. This is how we worship him. Bless the Lord. O oh, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. Why do we bless the Lord? Why do we bless this good God of ours? Because the same Jesus who was headed for Jerusalem, who was headed for the cross, the greatest mission, the greatest task, the greatest victory ever undertaken stopped to have mercy on a bunch of nameless, hopeless outcasts. And he'll do it for you. If you haven't realized that yet, we would love to talk to you after the service over here to my left, to your right. There's gonna be people waiting there. If you've never understood this healing that Jesus can bring in your life, whether it's physical, emotional, but for sure spiritual.
He is the good God. And he will heal you according to his will. In this life, you might not be healed physically or emotionally, but just like the leper, when you cry out in faith for mercy, Jesus always answers that prayer. Every single time. I want to ask you now to stand with me. We're going to worship him and rejoice because of his good gifts for us. Let's worship.